This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. I want to welcome everyone that's tuned into Radio K Pulpit. I hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful day today. You're with Alana Willy Fear, and my program is Body Matters. And today I want to chat about the topic about love, love in a nutshell. Just imagine what the world would be like without love. I mean, just picture that. It would be chaos. It would be disastrous without love, anybody caring about you. Um, so I just want to start off by reading 1 John four sixteen. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love, and whoever abides in love, abides in God and God in him. Do you know, that is so such a beautiful scripture, but it's also very powerful because, you know, without God's spirit inside of us, we are unable to truly know the nature of love and actually know how to love ourselves and how to love others. You know that God is spirit and because his spirit dwells within us, God dwells within us and God is love. And that is why because of his love and because of his presence and because we manifest his presence inside of us, we are able to truly love one another. And then I think about that scripture that says, um, you will know my disciples because they love one another. And um, so I just want to talk about love. I want to touch on different topics of love. So let's look at love as one of the foundations of God's kingdom. You know, that is what God manifests is his love, his presence, because he sent his only begotten son because he loved this world so much. So as Christians, you know, we should be motivated by love. You know, every other kingdom principle that we can think of, any way that we are supposed to live our lives as Christians is built on the principle of love. And I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, 3 verse 8, just to um, verify this. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, But do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have gifts of prophecy and can phantom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Can you see the importance of love? God is love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 16, God is love. And when we accept him in our lives, we have his presence manifesting within us, his presence, and that is love. So we are able to love, you know, um, that is what sets us apart from those who don't serve him, who don't know him. So there is no greater love story than the cross and God who had given his only son, Jesus, so that none of us would perish 
but have eternal life. It is that self-sacrificial love that God has for us, which we may never fully comprehend on this earth, but only in eternity. You see, we need to understand that God is love and that He loves us. He is our Creator. He created us for a purpose, to love us, to have fellowship with us. And without Him, you know what the Word of God says, we are absolutely nothing. And so I love the scriptures so much in John 15, 13, that says, Greater love has no one than this, that one should lay down his life for his friend. Isn't that beautiful? Just to think that God had given his only son. I mean, think about it for one sec. Would you give your son for people who don't serve God, who are wicked, so that they could turn to God? It's hard to comprehend in the physical when we think about our own children. Will we sacrifice our children so that other people can come to Christ? No, it's not within our nature. Why? Because we love our children. But God loved us so much and he gave his son for us. And that to me is so beautiful. One of the, the Lord's greatest commandments, it says, one of the greatest commandments the Lord has given us is to love God and to love one another. You know what? What would this world be? Again, I'm asking the question, if there was no love, it would be chaotic. It would be an evil, awful place to live in. And in John thirteen thirty four, it says, a new commandment. I give unto you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Why is it called a new commandment? You know, one of the reasons is that love does not fall under the law, but it falls under the grace of God. If we look back at the Old Testament um, where, you know, Moses had the Ten Commandments, Um, The Israelites had to abide, all the people had to abide to the law, but the law didn't stipulate that you had to love anybody. You just had to be obedient. But when Jesus came, he did away with the law, but actually not did away with it. He actually came to fulfill it. He said, this is the way I want you to live, but I want you to love, love one another. And um, one of the reasons is that love does not fall, as I said, under the law, but under grace. And the law never required anyone to love, but was defined by rules and works. Now, without the Spirit of God inside of us, as I said earlier on, we are unable to love others as God requires. And why? Because God is love and His Spirit dwells within us. I also just want to read out of Matthew 22, Verse 36 to 40 that says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your entire mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, we are commanded to love the Lord and one another. 
Why do we have to love the Lord with all our heart or our soul and our entire mind? You know that when we take our thoughts captive as Christians and bring it under the obedience of Christ, when we line our thoughts up with his thoughts, not our ways, but his ways, when we abide in him, that is how we can love the Lord with our minds, with our souls, with our hearts, because what we think and what we meditate on will affect the condition of our hearts. So when we choose to love the Lord with all our hearts and all our mind, what God is really saying is, place your focus on me. Think about good things, because the Bible says that do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know his good, perfect and acceptable will, God's will. So God expects us to bring our thoughts, our emotions, our attitudes, our heart's desires, everything under his obedience. So God is a God of love. You know, when our when our thoughts come in line with his thoughts, our hearts will also come in line with his heart and our actions will display his character. You know that one of the um, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to conform us into the image of Christ. Now, if God is love, if that is his character, if that is his essence, then God wants us to be daily conformed to him, to love, and that our actions, our thoughts and everything will be, um, you know, will be conformed to his image. And his character can be summarized only in one word, and that is love. I mean, many of you know the fruits of the Spirit. Love is kind. Um, the fruits of the Spirit is kindness, gentleness, patience, all of that. But if you think of all of that, it has to come out of a heart of love. That's why it says right at the beginning, when I read that scripture, it says, if you speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a, cl- a clanging cymbal. If I have gifts of prophecy and can phantom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. You know that many of us, we can do really good things. We can, um, you know, operate in our gifts and we can serve God. Um, we can prophesy. Um, we, You know, all of this. But if we don't do it out of a place of love, because of God's love, you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. Because God is love. He's interested in our character and not what we can do for him. So love is so important. It says it's the greatest, the greatest commandment. And you know what? Let's read 1 John 14, 17. It says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. As God is, so are we in this world. As we work out our righteousness, our salvation, the fruits of the Spirit will become evident in our lives. And all the fruits of the Spirit, as I said earlier on, 
can be summarized as love. You see, love is one of the fruits of the Spirit and one of the most important fruits of the Spirit that one can display because all the other fruits are really part of love. And love has eternal value. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 it says, Now these three remain faith, hope and love. And the greatest is love. You see, when we are in heaven, we, we wouldn't need any faith. Think about it. You don't need faith in heaven. You don't need hope when you are in heaven. But I believe that God still will require us to love because then we will be perfected in his love. So let us take a short break and then we'll continue after this music break. If you've just tuned in, you're with Alana Willifier with Body Matters and my program is Body Matters. And today I am just chatting about love and I'm looking at the different aspects of love, touching on love in in ways, in different ways, how we see love, how does God see love, why is it important to love. And I want to just say one of the things are, as Christians, that we need to clothe ourselves in love every day and strive to grow and mature in Christ so that His love will flow in us and through us so that we may be perfected in his love. You know, God came to perfect his love within us because that is his ultimate character. Now, if the Holy Spirit is there to transform us into his image and his character is love because he is love, then God wants us on this earth to grow and mature in love so that he Love can be perfected in us. And I hope that makes sense. So I want to emphasize on 1 John 4, 17. It says, by this love, God's love, perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is also are we in this world. We reflect Jesus on this earth. And the scripture is so powerful, it stipulates that we are like God himself in this world when his love is perfected in us. As he is, so are we in this world. When we manifest the fruits of love in our lives, we become the true reflection and the character of Christ. You know, the greatest need of all humanity, all of us, our children, all of us as humans, we've got a, such a big desire to be loved. You know, and unfortunately in this world, the perception of love is so distorted by the enemy. The concept of love means different things to different people. You know, everyone is seeking love and acceptance in many different ways. Think about it. You know, people that get into gangsterisms, people that... You know, they do things and it's all to just be loved, just to be accepted, just to be part of something. You know, love is so powerful. It's a, it's a powerful force in our lives because everyone, as I said, has an innate sense to belong and to be loved. And what the world is really looking for is the love of Christ. You know, when you don't have Christ in your life, there will always be an emptiness and, and there's that hollow feeling that something is missing. It's not complete. 
And we will try as humans, we try and fill that empty hole with so many things. We fill that void inside of us. We do things. We, we will do the silliest things to find love. And, and what we think is love is not really love, but maybe for that moment or for that time, it feels good, but it's never satisfying. You know, only the love of Christ can satisfy you. Why? Because we don't belong to this world. We belong to Jesus. You know, we belong to him. We are part of his family. That is what he originally designed us to be part of his family. You see, God is actually our father and we are his children. It's only in him that we find perfect love and have the desire and ability to truly love others. You know, as believers, we need to be ambassadors for Christ. You know, in the world today, um, you know, Satan is called the father of lies. He wants to bring separation between us and God. And his main purpose is for us to be orphan spirits, orphan spirits, so that we will be able to find love in other ways, in all the wrong things. You know, he, he puts that carrot in front of us to tempt us, to say, you know, do this. This is the way you'll feel love. This is, you know, you get caught up. People get caught up in drugs. People get caught up in gangsterism. People get caught up in pornography and a lot of things. But to, to satisfy that that thing inside of them, and that is how the enemy keeps them captive, keeps them captive. But we, as believers, know the truth. You know, once you've tasted the goodness of the Lord, you can't go back. You know, many, many times when I think back about where I was before I met Jesus, you know, I was depressed. I was always on edge. I was always thinking there's more to life. Always thinking I should be doing something, I should be somewhere. You know, you always feel like you don't really fit in anywhere. And there's that constant tormenting feeling, whether it's physical torment, whether it's that, you know, you always feel like you have to perform, you have to do something. But you know what, when you give your life to the Lord and the Lord starts working in you and you start having a relationship with him, you know what, you start feeling, you know, you, you start experiencing God's peace. And that's God giving you that peace, just that knowing, you know, that everything is going to be okay. You know, even within Christ, there's hope. Hope that the world cannot offer, because when you're in the, in the world, you, there's a sense of hopelessness. You cannot put your finger on it. You might be happy, but it's not God's happiness. It's not his joy. It's not that contentment. And that is what God offers us. And the world needs that love they need jesus and how are they going to experience jesus if we don't represent the father on this earth because the world is looking for love in a real and tangible way you know that love is an action you know, love is not just mere words, it's not just mere emotions, because our emotions can fluctuate up and down. 
you know, so what we do, love is a choice. We choose to love people. You know, when we read in Corinthians 13, we can clearly see that love is not based on emotion, but a decision to choose to do what's right. You know, if someone told you, oh, I love you, I love you so much, but they did nothing to indicate their love for you, would you really believe them? If you think about your children, if you say, oh, baby, I love you, but you don't care about them, you you don't put lunch in for them, you never ask them how their day is like, you never give them a hug, you never spend time with them. And I'm actually thinking about the, the love languages. For those of you who know, there's that the different love languages, which is quality, time, affection, words, words of affirmation. Um, when you, you know, it's, it's each and every one of us have, we need love. And no matter what people say to you, if you don't experience that love, then that words mean absolutely nothing. And that's why I say love is an action. In John 14, 15, it says, even the Lord says, if you love me, you will obey me. Even God is saying, don't tell me, Lord, Lord, I love you, I love you. And then God says, will you do this for me? And you say, no, Lord, not today. I don't feel like doing that. Or when God says, listen to me, this is what I want you to do. And you're saying, no, Lord. So God is saying, if you love me, I need to see it. I need to physically see that you love me by doing what I ask you to do. Obey me. So therefore, it says the Lord stipulates that there is a connection between loving him and obeying him. You know, it's like having children who you tell all the time that you love. And I said, and you know, sooner or later, these kids are going to say, Mom, just don't tell me you love me because, you know what, nothing about you shows that you love me. And we can get so caught up in in life without making an effort to show people how much we love them. So love is an action. Remember that. It takes effort. It's a choice. It's not about how you feel. You know, when you meet someone for the first time, it's that in love feeling and you're all emotional. You can't stop thinking about that person that is in love. But sooner or later, that in love feeling is not there anymore. Now you're sitting with someone and you need to choose to love that person, choose to be kind, choose to be patient, choose. And it's all about a choice. And you know what? The Word of God also says that we shouldn't just love those who love us or the people around you, but that we are required to love our enemies. You know that God came to this world. He didn't come to come to judge the. He didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. You know, love also requires that we love our enemies, that we love non-believers, because we're so quick to judge non-believers. Oh, they don't serve God. Oh, look at what they are doing. We very quick to judge, but just remember, God never came to judge them. He came to save them. And if we represent God, we are on this earth to save the unbelievers, to love our enemies, because how else are they going to know what the love of Christ is if we don't put that in action. God's heart is for the lost. 
And that is why he sent his only begotten son, so that no one would perish, but all have eternal life. You know that God is not a respecter of persons, and neither should we be. And it's horrible as Christians when we judge the non-believers. Look at their kids. You know, oh, we're not going to go there. They don't serve God. And you know what? That is so wrong because God loves them. God loves them just as much as he loves you. So why shouldn't we love them? Matthew 5, 44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that spitefully use you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. You see, when we choose to do what's right, despite our feelings, we are choosing to love and God will reward us. As Christians, it's a choice to, to obey God. You know, it's a choice to do. Say, Lord, I'll, I will do what you want me to do. And that is what makes us different from the world because the world just goes on their emotions. But when we have Christ, we know what's right and wrong. We've got the Holy Spirit and we've got a choice. So when we choose to do what is right despite our feelings, we are actually also doing spiritual warfare. And in Luke 6, 31, 32, it says, And just as you want men to do unto you, you also do to them likewise. If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. That is so powerful. It's easy to love people that love you. But boy, if they don't love you, you're not going to go out of your way to be kind or good to them. And there's a scripture that says, overcome evil with good. How do you overcome evil or evil people? By doing good to them. And there's so many scriptures, you know, that talk about loving people. So that is truly stepping out and doing what God wants you to do. You know, that consistent love can melt the hardest of hearts. It can yield the winds of the brokenhearted. It can quiet the fears of an anxious person. And it can turn the lost and the hopeless towards Jesus. It says in Corinthians 13 that love never fails. Love never fails. God's love is continuous He puts his love out there. Just remember how messed up, how broken, how wicked we were before we came to Christ. And even as we serve Christ, the word of God says none of us are good. We all fall short of God's glory. None of us are perfect. Sometimes we can hide our imperfections. Sometimes other people don't know the motives of our hearts because sometimes what we do seems good, but we know the motives because the Holy Spirit will will convict us. And we can hide it, but we're quick to judge those who don't know God. And um, there is a scripture in the Bible, and I don't know where it is right now, but we as Christians we can keep one another accountable. See, if your brother says he is a Christian and he does what is wrong, 
then we need to go and love and try and sort it out and say, you know what? You said you're a Christian. You said you believe in the word of God. So why are you going against that? So we have a responsibility towards one another. But you know what? Those who don't know God, that don't know Jesus, we cannot judge them because they don't know. We cannot keep them accountable to the word of God when they don't know the word of God. Does that make sense? But God expects us to love them. That is our responsibility is to love. That's what God said. That is the greatest commandment. You see the idea of loving, forgiving our enemies sounds sometimes, you know, ridiculous at times. And it's our human nature to want to defend ourselves and to fight back. However, we are called to forgive those who hurt us, to love your enemy, you know, to to love them because that's the only way we can win that heart. It says here, but to, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you and, you know, bless those who curse you. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would like them to do unto you. So let us take a short break and let us um, come back and we can end off with God being the essence of love. I just want to welcome you back to Radio K Pulpit. Um, and I am Alana Willie here. And today I'm talking about love in a nutshell. So I've been touching on all the aspects of love. You know, what does God require from us? What is love? And you know that love is one of the greatest commandments. But I want to focus just a little bit and end off with God as being ultimate love. In 1 John 4, 16, 17 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. By this is love perfected. And I know I read that earlier on. God is love and as believers, his spirit dwells within us. Therefore, love dwells within us. Love sets us apart from other believers or non-believers. And love should be every believer's trademark. And John 13, 35, it stipulates, But this everyone will know, that you are my, my disciples, if you love one another. You know that God's entire being consists of love. He's a good father and there's no evil in him. Death, sickness, destruction, war, hatred, suffering was not God's original plan for man. But due to the fall, we have been exposed to many hardships. And God's love towards us is restorative. You know, he wants to heal us. He wants to give us hope. It says in James eleven seventeen, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. God's heart is not for us to suffer. You know, it's not for us to to be hopeless because it says he is the God of hope. And he wants us to live a life which is in abundance because in um, John 10, 10, it says the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I came to give you life and life in abundance. And when we comprehend that God is a loving father, you know, we are able to trust his character and know that he is not out to punish us. 
You know, so many people think, you know, God is out there to punish you, to judge you. But you know what? God didn't come to punish or judge you while you were alive. He came to save you. His arms are wide open for you. He's saying, come. You know, when I talk about salvation, and I'm just adding this in, salvation is for everyone that is alive. And salvation has an expiry date. And that date is when you lay your head down, when you when you pass on, that is your expiry date. So God gives us opportunity after opportunity to come to him. Just as you are with all your mistakes, with all your faults. God is a God of love. And I just want to end off with 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4 to 8. And it says... Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves love never fails and i just want you to think about that scripture and i want to replace every word that says love replace it with god because that is his character and i just want to read it to you again that it will sink in that god is a god of love so let's read 1 corinthians 13 4 to 8 and God is love. So let's let's say God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. He doesn't get easily angered. God keeps no record of wrong. Isn't that awesome? God does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. God always protects. He's always trustworthy. God is hope. God always preserves. And God never fails. I just want you to let that sink in, that God is a good, good God. You know, and I love that verse where it says that God keeps no record of wrong. You know, today you might be thinking, you know what, I have failed God, I've messed up, I have, you know, gone off track. You know, God would never want me. But you know what, God is not looking at that. He says, if you repent of your sins and you ask God to forgive you, it says he will forgive you of your sins and he will remove it from you as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it no longer. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. It says, it keeps, God keeps no record of wrong. And there's another one that says, in another translation where it says, love covers a multitude of sin. God covers a multitude of sin. So today I just want to end off, if you feel like you have failed and you feel, you know, I have messed up so much in my life, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord today, to know that His character is good, His heart towards you is good. He doesn't see you the way you see yourself. 
He sees you perfect because he created you. And you know, the enemy will keep you in condemnation. He will keep you feeling that feeling of shame and guilt and think, you know what? You've messed up so much. God will never want you. I want to tell you that that is a lie. That is a lie. While you've got breath in you, while you're alive, you can call out to God. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to give you the opportunity um, to give your life, to recommit your life again to Him and allow God to work in you and through you. So you can just repeat after me, Father God, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you paid the price for my sins. Today I want to accept you as Lord and God over my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I surrender my life to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've given your life to the Lord today, believe, believe Him, because God is the only one who can do a mighty work in your heart. Just trust Him. Spend time in the Word of God. Go to church. Just surround yourself with godly people. Call out to Him. God will reveal Himself to you. And the work He starts in you, He will bring to completion. In Jesus' name, Amen. So that is the end of my program today. I really hope that it encouraged you, that you really understand that God is a God of love. He wants us to love others. He wants us to represent Him on this earth. And that is a good, good God. So from me, Alana Willifee, you must have a wonderful week. And I'll see you again next week at the same time. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.